Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. One week from today, we open up the season. University of Washington versus the Cal Berkeley Golden Bears down in Cal Berkeley to an empty stadium, which usual just be like a home game for Cal. But it just seems like a long time coming, and we just can't wait to get this started. I kind of equated it to... You know, the time where I got grounded for something I didn't do, couldn't go outside, and all my friends were outside playing, you know. So University of Washington football has been home for a long time while everybody else is out there playing. But good to get the season underway. And I think the main question everybody's asking, who's going to be the quarterback? And it's been tough to get information. Scott and Chris, I'm sure you guys have gotten the same thing I have. I've got people telling me the quarterback play is fine heard that it's horrendous. I've heard it's Kevin Thompson. I've heard that it's uh, Dylan Morris. I've heard that it's Jacob Sermon. So, Scott, uh, tell us a little bit about how you feel this is going to play out and just some of the things that you've heard. Well, I I, I saw somebody write something um, somewhere and said, all things being equal, you always go with the youngest guy because he's got the you know most time that he can give you in the program. And so if Dylan Morris and Kevin Thompson are, you know, just right there together, I think Dylan Morris is probably the guy who gets the start against Cal. Now, the only caveat to that is it's a road game. Granted, it's not in front of a hostile crowd. It, it's, you know, it's going to be a pretty quiet stadium. So, but uh, the only caveat I would say is they might give the nod to Thompson just because, it's a road game and they don't want Dylan Morris's first start to be that way. But that being said, I, from everything I've heard, the competition is Kevin Thompson, number one, Dylan Morris, number two, and then the other two guys are battling it out for the third spot. And that Thompson really is kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the guys. I, you know, is that disinformation? Is that, I don't know, but what people that we trust have told us this, that, that, and they've seen some of the practices and everything like that. So, um, I would say that, you know, it should, we should probably kind of count on Kevin Thompson being the guy, but it, all things being equal, I think Dylan Morris might be the guy. Chris, would you be surprised if you have a starter and a relief pitcher coming into the game? Well, I mean, Jimmy Lake said that. You know, if if they couldn't sort themselves out, um, you know, by around this time, that they could talk about the idea of playing two quarterbacks. In talking to John Donovan, I don't think he wants that at all. I think he wants to have one guy, and I think he wants to go with him. And, um, you know, my read of the situation now, I listen to Scott and, and the caveats, and I get that. The other caveat is there's no eligibility problems this year. So if you were worried about Kevin Thompson being a one and done guy, normally, yeah, you, you could see where he might be a situational guy or a change up or that kind of thing. But the fact that he could 
conceivably come back for the full 2021 season means you could get two years of a guy in a system already in place. So it leads me to believe, and again, Scott and I talked about this last week, I think, you know, there's only one guy that's been brought in while John Donovan's been here at Washington, and that's Kevin Thompson. And that, to me, is pretty compelling. I mean, that means they they didn't have to pick the guy. I mean, they didn't have to choose him. They didn't have to um, agree to bring him aboard, even though I'm sure that's what he wanted to do when he was looking right. around and wanted to come back home. So, uh, to me, I think, you know, with experience, again, I, I, I do side with Scott on that. I think experience plays a factor when you're going on the road, first game out. You know, brand new system, and then on top of it, you're you're throwing in a guy that no one in the Pac-12 has really seen. Sure, they've seen film of him when he was at Sac State and all that, but do you prepare for a guy just knowing what he's done on film? I think that could be pretty tough to do. So all things being equal and the way that Jimmy Lake has played this whole thing this fall with, you know, crazy score lines and and – you know, the misinformation on Twitter, like deliberate misinformation in, in kind of a joking sense, but it still is what it is. I, I think Kevin Thompson could be the guy. I take issue with one thing you said, Chris. You said Jimmy Lake said. <laughs> Jimmy Lake hasn't said anything to us of any meaningful that you can actually digest and have it mean anything. It's been a little bit frustrating. It's, and you said it best. I mean, he's taken controlling us and the fans to a whole different level. So I just really don't know how much we could take from Jimmy. He's smiling when he says things and he's taken creatively saying nothing to a whole different level. Actually, it has been a little bit fun, but we're sure not getting much information, Chris. No, we're not. And I, I totally understand his point of view where he's coming from. I mean, he's only got one opportunity to, to really, you know, kind of foist this whole pro style attack and this new offensive scheme on the Pac-12. He's got one chance to really kind of take everyone by surprise and, and pull everyone's pants down, so to speak. But, you know, after about a quarter, I mean, at the very most, you know, maybe only a couple series, it's not like Cal doesn't have really good coaches that can dissect what's going on pretty easily and, and try to at least adjust on the fly. Um, but he feels like it's a legitimate advantage. I'm certainly not in a position to tell him he's not going to have an advantage going forward. He would he would be the one that would know. So, hey, Scott. Yeah. Hey, Scott, you know, it's a little bit surprising because when he took over as the head coach, he was saying that he was going to open things up more. Um, it sounded like the program was going to be open a lot more, and I understand with the COVID thing and um, being a new offense, he doesn't want to get much uh, give much away. But are you kind of surprised how little that they are letting out? Um, well, in a certain sense, yes, and in a bigger sense, no. I mean, I like it's like Chris said, and we've all kind of acknowledged he doesn't get to very many. He's not going to have very many chances to catch somebody by surprise and give and and maybe um have the element of surprise when he starts a season you know a- after everybody sees what their offense looks like this week for the rest of the season we know what it's going to look like we we pretty much know who the starter's going to be we pretty much know who's going to be getting the reps in the backfield and the wide receivers and all that kind of stuff so 
I think that's one of the reasons. I think COVID gave him another reason just to kind of shut things down and not let anybody see anything. Um, and he just, they just made it, that just made it easier to do that. But, um, in, in one sense, yeah, I think I, I can see what you're saying, Kim, about it being kind of more closed down than we thought it was going to be. But in, in the larger sense of it, uh, football coaches want to control everything they can. And, and if they had their druthers, they would never talk to the media until after maybe a football game. And even then, they don't, I don't think they like talking to the media. So um, I think in the long run, this just kind of – COVID gave everybody kind of an excuse to lock things down. I mean, look, look what's happened at some of these other schools that used to be pretty wide open – in Oregon, in USC, in some of these other schools, and nobody's getting anything from any of these schools right now. Chris John Wilner at the Mercury News came out with his uh, Washington preview, I guess you want to call it, where he's grading the roster and taking a look at each and every game and predicting each game. Uh, John Wilner has Washington going 3-3, three to three, losing at Cal, losing to Washington State, and losing at Oregon. Winning at the three games and losing their three away. Surprising coming from Wilner? No, I have a lot of respect for John Wilner. And honestly, I, I don't find it surprising at all if someone wants to predict the losses at Cal and at Oregon. I think those are obviously the two hardest games. Um you know, 50-50 games at this point. Maybe they tip slightly one way or the other, but they're not, um, you know, they're they're not clearly shaded towards one particular team. Um, the one, the Apple Cup, just boggles my mind, though. I I, don't, I mean, I think he's just trying to be cute with that. I guess I don't know. I mean, I mean, if if he wants to go back to, you know, looking at things in terms of what they might mean for Nick Rolovich, for instance. Nick Rolovich has played the run and shoot against Washington and got smoked. So I don't I don't understand how he thinks things are going to be any different just because he's at Washington State now as opposed to Hawaii. Because right now, in terms of how they've recruited and everything else, it's not as if he's going up to a whole different league of athlete, really. I mean, it's not like he's going from Hawaii to Ohio State. We're talking about Washington State. And so that one is a is a big head scratcher. The other two, I don't have any problem with that at all. Scott, what's going to be real interesting is there's no eligibility this year. So if you play, it doesn't count against your eligibility-wise. So there's some talented freshmen coming in this year that normally I think we would not see play. But I do expect to see some of the freshmen come in making an impact might be a different story. But being that you can take a guy like a Jalen McMillan and put him out there and it doesn't impact his eligibility but get him some experience. How many of these freshmen coming in would you expect to see the field this year? I think as long as they're physically ready and they understand their assignments, you're going to see every freshman play at some point this season. Um, but the guys who I think will play enough not to, you know, They'll play enough to be a real impact guy for Washington, maybe, and obviously won't lose any eligibility playing this year. But I think that'll be Sabelle Smalls. I think Romo Dunsey will be one of those guys. I wouldn't be surprised. I've heard some good word from uh, on what Sam Adams has been doing in uh, in practice. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see any of those. Those guys, I think you'll see maybe one of the offensive linemen, Roger Rosengarten, wouldn't surprise me if you see him play a little bit this year. Um, 
But uh, and then maybe one of the defensive backs, either either Steen or Jacoby Covington or Elijah. Um, uh, Eli- is it? I, I'm Elijah Jackson. 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 Yeah, I kept wanting to say Williams. Elijah Jackson. Um, I don't think James Smith is really ready yet. Um, I, I heard he came in pretty raw and everything like that. But uh, you know, I, I think those are some of the guys who could play. I think it's going to be tough for. Um, either of the linebackers, whether it be Cooper, uh, McDonald or, uh, um, uh, uh, Brunel, Carson, um, Bruner, Bruner, jeez, Luis, I'm, I'm jeez, having a rough God. time right now. Yeah. It's early on Saturday here, but anyway, um, I, I just, I don't think you're going to see those guys cause the room is so loaded with, uh, with guys. And I think they're going to be rotating so many guys through. But that's kind of what I, I expect to see. I think I think all of the tight ends are going to end up playing. Maybe not Mason West, but I think that Jack Yerry and Mark Redman are both going to play quite a bit. We've seen a lot of passes thrown to those guys. Uh, in, in, well, I'm sorry, just Redman is the only one we've actually seen. But I've heard those guys have been big targets in practice as well. So that's kind of how I see it being. I don't think Ethan Garbers is going to play this year. I think they're going to let him sit and just kind of figure things out and – and be a be a guy who battles for a playing time next year. Hey Chris, what's interesting is when you take a look at the wide receivers that they brought in and the wide receivers on the roster, a lot of these guys seem to be like outside guys and the guy that kind of glares at me that could make, really make an impact, you know, if he is what we expected him to be is Sawyer Racanelli, Sawyer Racanelli. Uh, you know, is that inside slot guy and that might be a guy to keep an eye on, you know, so, but like I said, Chris, do you see that as well, that they've recruited a lot of guys that look like they're outside guys? Well, in terms of the receivers? Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they yeah. certainly, I mean, all three of the, the true freshmen, when you talk about Racanelli and you talk about Roma Dunze and, and Jalen McMillan, we've seen them show up on the little Twitter videos that, that Washington releases, the little, do we, do we dare say that they're propaganda pieces, little things to kind of show whatever, they want people to believe, um, you know, you see guys like Ty Jones being heavily involved in what's going on, but you haven't seen Puka Nakua. You haven't seen, um, you know, Marcus Spiker, for instance, um, haven't seen a ton of like Austin Osborne, even though I think we heard good things about what he was doing early in camp. So it's hard to know, but if, if you know, going into the, the question about freshman playing, yeah, I think there's a chance all three of those guys could, but it's interesting. We, you know, we thought for sure, even with a full season last year, no COVID or anything else, and the, they had up to four games that they could play and still uh, keep their red shirt on. You know, you would think a guy like Daniel Hamuli would have played, for instance. I would have bet my my life that he would have played at least one or two games. But the only true freshman inside linebacker that played last year was Alfonso Tupatala. So. It, it, it's hard to know, and you would think they would try to get opportunities for these guys, but it's a loaded group all the way around at every position. So they can't give time just because they want to give time. I think, again, this goes back to Jimmy Lake talking about being an equal opportunity employer and that the tape is going to kind of dictate the depth chart. And so I think it's going to be very interesting to see how some of these true freshmen show up but there's no doubt that they they have kind of made no secret of the fact that the three freshman receivers have done really well. And especially if you look like a guy like Racanelli, 
I thought early on he probably wouldn't be the one out of those three that would play because he was hurt all of his senior season, didn't even play his senior year in high school. So we thought, okay, well, he'd probably they'd give him some time to really rest and recuperate and, and, and get back up kind of the way they did with Mickey IU, for instance. And then later they had to do with Josh Calvert because he got hurt last spring. So you kind of thought, all right, that made sense. But he's shown up, apparently, and has done a really nice job. So having those bigger guys in the slot, you know, whether you're talking about him or a Ty Jones or or someone like even like a Taj Davis, for instance, you know, these are guys that are minimum six foot six one, if not bigger, you know, 200 pounds, if not bigger. And uh, it really does give you a totally different element. Scott, I think that, you know, everybody talks about the um, quarterback position being the key that everybody needs to focus on. But one of the things that, you know, I think there's a lot of talent on the offensive line, but they still had to rebuild that. And if they come together, I think the offense will be fine. If the offensive line struggles, I think that there could be um, some real problems. But just give me your take on what's going on up front. Yeah, not reinventing the wheel there, you know, when we talk about it like this, Kim, and I, I know you know that, but, um, you know, as, as the offensive line goes, so goes the offense. Um, you know, it's, it really is dependent upon the quarterback probably first, and then the line is right behind him for the keys to the offense being good. And that being said, I, I, I think you're going to see, um, five new starter, well, five guys at, five brand new starters at the positions they're at. Obviously Luke Wattenberg and uh, Jackson Kirkland return as starters from last year, but Kirkland is out at left tackle. Wattenberg's in at center. Then I think you're going to have either Brandon Ale, or I'm sorry, um, MJ Ale at, um, at one of the guard spots, probably at left guard. You're going to have Henry Bainavalo at the other guard spot. And then you're going to have Vic Kern as your right tackle. And I think that's going to be a good group. I think they're big. I think they're physical. And I think they can get everything done that needs to get done up front. But that being said, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about how Nate Kalepo has done this, this year. I, I, I've heard that Julius, uh, Bulo has really taken a huge step, if not a couple steps up in his development. And I know they really, really like Troy Fautanu. So it wouldn't surprise me if Fautanu uh, wins the battle, uh, for, you know, actually he's the backup left tackle right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if he winds up being the starting left guard if MJ Ale isn't picking things up quite as quickly as they'd like. From everything I've heard, he's done pretty well, but they just like Fautanu so much. I think they'd like to get him on the field in any way that they can. So, um, that being said, I, I think there could still be some movement even after the start of the season, but I think your, your starters are pretty well locked in with, with the exception of maybe left guard where I think MJ Ale is the odds on favorite to be that guy, but I'm not sure he's going to wind up being the guy who goes out there to start the game against Cal. And Chris, I asked Scott Huff about, you know, keeping that continuity of the offensive line as opposed to rotating guys in. Do you think we're going to see him stick with those five starters or do you think we could see them rotating guys in like they have done at times in the past? I think he's going to stick with his five. I think he really likes that idea. I think he, he knows he has to have a rotation, but I think you'll see, like, for instance, I don't know how many people know that MJ Ale played in every single game last year, but a lot of that is done in like special teams, for instance. They kind of get their feet wet 
in, you know, when it comes to like field goals or PATs or things like that, where they can be in there in, in relatively low leverage situations and then kind of get the feel of it so that by the time they're really needed, if there's an injury or something like that, they can go in there and the stage isn't too big for it. The, the lights are too bright. So I, I think he knows that he needs to have a rotation of seven, eight guys. Um, that's why I asked him um, the only time that we got a chance to talk to him this fall, who his top eight guys were in his rotation. He goes, well, I can't, I can't give you that, but I can give you my top 10, which essentially is like the 10 guys that are in the group that aren't like the true freshmen, for instance. But yet he also mentioned a guy like Roger Rosengarten at left tackle who he thinks is really good. And I know Luke Wattenberg said that he reminded him of Trey Adams. So you have guys that are coming through the ranks that could be impact guys. Um, you know, but at this point, I really think he likes that, that front five of, of Kirkland and Ale and Wattenberg and, and Bainavalu and Jack and uh, Vic Kern. I think he just really likes that lineup. I think he's been able to, to kind of get some continuity with that, even with the position switches. I think both Kirkland and Wattenberg are good enough and veteran enough to be able to handle those switches. Um, so I think he really likes that group, but for sure he understands he needs to have a couple guys in the pipe. And I agree with Scott. I think Fatanu could be probably the first interior guy off the bench. And then who knows? Um, is it Nate Kalepo that comes off? Is it Julius Bulow that comes off the bench? Um, is it a guy like Roger Rosengarten? I mean, we don't know. But again, with no eligibility concerns, if you feel like this is no time's like the present for a guy like Roger Rosengarten, you might see him. Quick word from our sponsors when we return. We'll talk a little bit of recruiting with Scott Eklund. We'll also talk about who we think will be the breakout players in this upcoming year. That and more when we return. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. I'm Kim Grenells along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Again, next week, finally, football season will be underway with a 7, is it 7.30 kickoff at Cal Berkeley? Yeah. Or is it 7 o'clock? Yes, I think it's 7.30. I think it's 7.30 as well, yeah. but yeah. On 7.30. ESPN. 7.30 kickoff at Cal, and uh, revenge could be in the air after last year's, many of you remember the game delay. I think we got finished, the game finished somewhere. It was well after midnight, but wild, wild game, and uh, looking forward to the season starting. But taking a look at this roster and taking a look at the depth chart that we're taking a look at, um, Scott, give me, a, give me a both on offense and defense, a guy that you think could be a breakout player and is going to get all the considerations because they just take that next step forward. Who do you got on offense? Oh, on offense, I think I'm going to go with, um, you know, I think I'm going to go with Terrell Bynum. 
I, I think he's going to have a good year this year. I don't, I don't know. You know, when, when you say all league consideration, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, honorable mention or something like that. Cause I don't know if any wide receivers on Washington's team are going to put up big numbers because of the kind of offense that they might run that think they're going to end up running. So, but I'm going to go with Terrell Bynum on offense and then on defense. Um, it, it's, it's one of two guys and I know I'm only supposed to pick one, but it's going to be either be Kyler Gordon or it's going to be Julius Irvin in my opinion. I think, um, both of those guys are poet. I've heard nothing but good things about, um, uh, Julius Irvin's play as a, as a safety for Washington and Kyler Gordon is such a great athlete. I think he could be a big time guy in your return game and I think he could be a nice, uh, you know, third, fourth, fifth, however many that you want to count, uh, defensive back in Washington's, in Washington, or a cornerback in Washington secondary and, and I think he's just such a playmaker. So either one of those two guys on defense and then Terrell Bynum on offense. Chris, give me an offensive guy. Well, I'm going to go on the offensive line, and I think we've talked, I think all three of us have talked at certain times in the last year or two how um, the coaches believe that Henry Bainavalu is arguably the most athletic and the most gifted um, offensive lineman on the, you know, in that room. And I think this is the year where he really steps up. I think he sees a guy like Joe Tryon, uh, turn pro and, and, and wants to be on that same path, wants to have a breakout season, wants to show that he's ready to take that next step in his development. I think he, he's itching for it. I think he's hungry for it. And so I think Henry Bainavalu is going to be the breakout guy. I think he could definitely be all league if he, if he just, you know, puts his mind to it and is really focused on it. I think he's as gifted as any Washington offensive lineman that they've had in a while. On defensive side of the ball. I'll go on the defensive line, so I'll stick with the line. I'll stick with the trenches, and I'll go with Thule, the Thule Gasanoa. I think uh, Thule is going to be the guy that steps up in Levi Onzerike's absence. I think he's the guy that will um, end up kind of leading that line. I know Josiah Bronson will be the senior leader of that group, but when you look at Thule and you look at Taki Taimani, those are the three guys that are really going to be the heart of that rotation inside. And I think Thule is the one that's going to break out and have the big season. So I think it's going to be Thule. On the offensive side of the ball, I'll stay in the trenches as well. I think MJ Ollie is just, it's rare that you get a guy that big. Um, everybody talks about the old guy, Patrick Kessie, having the biggest calves they've ever seen. I, I think MJ Ollie may be bigger. I think he's got the chance to be an absolute road grader, pass protection. We'll see how he does in that. But, boy, if it's third and short, fourth and short, I'm running behind MJ all A. Uh, whether he's on the right side or the left side, we'll take a, we'll take a look-see. But uh, I think MJ all A will be that breakout player and uh, definitely have all the considerations when all is said and done. On the defensive side of the ball, I think the door was open wide, and I think there's a guy who will take full advantage of that, and that's Leatu Latu. They really need a guy who can get to the passer, they can get to the quarterback, and he showed flashes last year. He's 6'4", 275 pounds, outside guy, and I think that he could be that guy, that difference maker to get to the quarterback and uh, get that pass pressure and 
Guys that can do that are hard to find and just also just keep an eye on uh, Zion Tupatola Fatui. I think he could be a player down the road too, but I think Liatu Latu is the guy on the defensive side of the ball who's really going to pop this year. So, um, hey Scott, just want to get a little bit on recruiting. You had a recruiting blog yesterday. Do you want to maybe just update us a little bit? Well, let's first of all start with the, we seem to have these every once in a while. Um, and Chris, I can't remember the guy, um, God, it was a long, long, long time ago who said he was committed and the coaches had no idea who he was. And it sounds like that's what happened yesterday from a wide receiver out of Texas, Scott. Who's the kid? Do you remember the kid I'm talking about, Chris? Yeah, we getting- I do. I do. He even held a press conference at his school. We, and- were, getting, we were getting ripped for not enlisting him as a commit, but. You know, yeah. <laughs> the coaches didn't even know who he was. Do you remember that guy, yeah. Chris? I don't. I think it was a kid I, it, from it was Utah. For a while. It, it, yeah, it was a kid from either Colorado or Utah, and he committed to California or ASU or a California school, I think, or something like that. Yeah, it, it was bad. So, um, yeah, as far as uh, you know, Keith Ron Lee, you, you look at him; he is an actual prospect. He is an actual prospect with offers. So this isn't a kid; some kid um, just trolling people or anything like that. I think he really believed that he got an offer from the University of Washington, but I did some digging and and uh if you if you look at my blog, you can see my uh the gif that I posted with with someone just going, "Who?" <laughs> because I think the coaches uh were a little clueless on who this kid even was. So, um you know, there stuff like this can happen if they don't understand the process and how things go. Washington um, might have sent him some mail. That could be an offer. Um, Washington may have even reached out to him. Maybe some of the undergrad – or not undergrad, maybe some of the uh, grad assistants who who do some recruiting in the recruiting office might have reached out to him. But he does not have an offer from the University of Washington. From everything I've been able to gather uh, from people who would know, um, they have no idea who he was, and uh, he does not have an offer. There's always a possibility he could have – uh, gotten an offer from Washington State and said that it came from the University of Washington because they consider it maybe one and the same. So lots of different stuff that could have happened under that. You chuckle a little bit at the reaction of some out of the boards? Come well, on, yeah, everybody. because because they <laughs> because they think that that means that they aren't getting a Mekeg Buka. And, and, I mean, Kim, you were there with me. You heard me talking to him. I mean, Emeka said, I, am, I haven't even thought about when I'm going to commit to a school and i believed him yeah, i mean me it's kind of like it's kind of like yeah i talked to the guys but you know just yeah. not ready to I, make a decision i haven't I impressed haven't him on it a little bit and i i don't think he got annoyed but i think he was just like dude i told you i'm i have no idea <laughs> and yeah, I'm just it's, like yeah it, it's it's the equivalent of asking me i mean asking him about you know when he's going to commit it's equivalent of asking me what are you going to have saturday night for dinner yeah. I don't know. Whatever. You know, I don't know. You know what I think it is, Kim? It's not what are you going to have Saturday night? I think it's, hey, Kim, do you know what the weather's going to be like in January? <laughs> you know, because we don't know. And I don't think, I honestly don't think he has really thought about, I want to commit to a school. I, if anyone told you that, somebody is absolutely leading and they're, they're the leader in the clubhouse or anything like that. I think there are some schools that might be on the top of his mind right now, but I don't think anyone is actually leading for him. Do you think and, he sat, do you think he sat down and written out a list pros and cons for each one of those schools? 
I don't. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if he had he had like a running talent likes about each school, but yeah, no, I I don't think he's gotten serious enough about it to even have gotten to that level, really. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you're going to the prom in February. You know, you got to pick something out, but you know, the closer it gets, the more you narrow it down. Mm-hmm. He's still, I think he's still a long ways away from narrowing yep. things down. Yeah. So anyway, the reaction of people that this means we are, we're not getting a Mecca Egbuka. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it has nothing to do with that. This, this, this kid is, is a talent, but he is not a, a Mecca Egbuka and Washington is going to wait as long as they have to wait for a Mecca Egbuka to make his decision. Hey, I thought the most interesting part of the conversation with a Mecca was what he was taking, what classes he was taking. I know. It's so what did he say? It was art history or art appreciation and like he's doing running start, right? Isn't that what he yeah, said? Yeah, he's already ready to graduate. He can yeah. graduate at any time. Yeah, exactly. So he's doing running start and I think he's taking three classes. So one was art appreciation. What was the other two? I can't remember off the top of my head. The one that cracked me up was astrology. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, do you mean astronomy? Or astrology. And he goes, no, it's astrology. And I'm like, That's I didn't know. It sounds I, like a pickup line. Hey, what's your son? Know. I'm taking yeah, a class. I didn't know they, that astrology was a college course. Yeah. I had no idea. I, I thought it was always astronomy. And that, really? I guess that just speaks to the educational level that we have going in colleges nowadays. I, I think I think it's still pretty much astronomy. I don't think there's any such thing as a college course called astro- astrology. Yeah. I'm not arguing. I'm not buying it. I'm not, well, I'm not buying it. I'm just not bigger and more ripped than me. Um, and just FYI, yeah, he is big. Oh no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, get, don't get me wrong. I mean, he, he's the one that would know. I'm just telling you, I, I, I am not buying the idea that there is a college course in astrology. I just, it, it just, it. it makes zero sense to me. Zero. Uh, I'm, I'm by, I'm siding with Mecca. But, I'm uh, I'm going the only re- and Chris I would be with you I mean I don't think he quite understand but he said it I asked him five times are you sure it's astrology <laughs> I I was like really we were They're cracking really up. teaching astrology like the signs he goes yeah he goes one section was completely on the moon being in phase three of Virgo and I'm like wow okay. All right. And the thing is, sometimes we talk to these high school kids and they sound like high school kids. And then there's times where we talk to kids where they sound like young adults. He's the young adult. Yeah. He's a really nice kid. He was like talking to Josh Garnett, like Zach Banner, um, trying to think of some other guys. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this is the thing. I don't I'm not questioning his intelligence at all. Now I'm just sad. Oh, I know. Isn't it? Now I'm just if, sad. I, <laughs> just, I mean, if I could have taken astrology in high school, holy moly, my GPA would have been three. In college, nine. Chris. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's, you know, I mean, yeah. Like got, I said, I'm just sad now. Sorry. While we were up there, too, we got to see Sam Heward a little bit, but he didn't have his full uh, full uh, arsenal of wide receivers. I was worried he was going to hit one in the face, but uh, Sam Sam was being Sam out there, so – um, you know, talk a little bit else, you know, the recruiting blog that you put out yesterday, Scott. Um, I'm trying to remember what else you had in there. Well, I talked about, um, Aku, Apu Ika, um, the, uh, um, the guy from, uh, LSU. Well, he was originally from Utah. Um, 
and now he's he's in the transfer portal after spending a year and a half at uh, LSU. Um, you know, it sounds like he's he wasn't real thrilled with the scheme that Bo Pelini, who is the new old defensive coordinator at LSU, um, has put in. It's more of a four three instead of a three four, and that's what Apuika wants to be as a straight up nose tackle. And, uh, sounds like he just has made the decision to leave. And, and I would, I know Washington is going to kick the tires on him and see, see how interested he is in them and how interested they might be in him. Why did he leave? How are his grades? Can he transfer? Cause there's a lot that go more that goes into it, at least to get into the University of Washington from a transfer standpoint. Is he on pace to do things? Is his grades where they need to be? All those different things. Um, have to happen, but I think Washington will at least show some interest, but I, I have a real hard time because we just don't know how the numbers are all going to work out and who is Washington going to cut from their team in order to make room for a guy like Apuika. So I, I have a hard time believing Washington's going to be really, really seriously in the mix for him, but I guess things could change and, and things like that. I think Oregon is, is one school to keep an eye on. I think Utah, BYU, Kim, you came up with that one. I, I'm still not 100% sold on BYU being the choice. I think Utah, Arizona State, um, and Oregon are possible, po- strong possibilities for him. Yeah, I was going to say too that, um, with a guy like Apurica and, you know, you see him at the Polynesian Bowl and all this stuff. If, if Washington wanted another Sama Pa'ama type, but even bigger, that's your guy. I mean, if that's, if, if they wanted to find a replacement for a guy like Sama Pa'ama, that would be the guy. Ika's is that type of player. And when he talks about playing in the middle, yeah, you're talking about a true two gap nose that just can occupy the whole world inside. And, you know, that, like you said, everything he has to fit in terms of, you know, how eligible is he? What, you know, what kind of situation would he be coming into? What kind of situation is he leaving? Um, I have to think that the in-state schools would have the edge just because typically as we've seen, um, when it, you know, you look at Washington's transfers, whether it's Jacob Sermon, whether it's, or Jacob Eason, excuse me, whether it's, Kevin Thompson, you know, whether it's some of these other guys, you know, going home seems to be the prevailing opinion. So um, that's where I see BYU in, in, in agreeing with Kim a little bit. But I also think Utah would be obviously a major player there. Wrapping it up, Scott, anything we failed to touch base on? Final thoughts? Uh, no, not, not a lot. Um, I did talk to Quentin uh, Moore and you should see that story up very soon and um and then uh um other than that you know i i just have been keeping track of the two guys playing this year void tanufi the defensive tackle out of utah caleb berry the running back out of texas who had a big game in his return to the field last weekend so um you know not a lot going on as far as offers things like that i think a lot of these coaches are going to hold off and wait until they see some of these kids junior film which for most of them isn't going to happen until sometime in the spring. So I, I think, I don't think you're going to see a ton of offers go out to 2022 kids. And, uh, we're just going to have to be patient on the final three 2021 guys in Mecca, JT Tui Malau and Logan Fano, Fano, who is a defensive end out of, um, 
Utah who's going to take his mission, so it doesn't really count against the 2021 class. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters? Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I think patience is obviously the key word, even though we're only a week away, um, from the game at Cal. And, and I only mean patience in the sense that, um, uh, I almost feel like I need to apologize to the subscribers because we haven't been able to give them a ton of concrete information in terms of, you know, who's really winning that quarterback battle. What, what, what are the two deeps really looking like instead of just our, you know, educated guesses? Well, welcome to the Jimmy Lake era. Boys and girls, this is, this is how it's going to roll for a little while. And I, I'm really curious to see how things change, whether they open up or whether they even go more closed after there's a full game film out there where everybody can completely dissect what John Donovan is trying to do offensively. When you can look at the wrinkles that Pete Kwiatkowski and and Akaika Malloy and the defensive staff have tried to put together with this nickel-based uh, defense that they've had so much success with. So I think there's obviously so much there out there to to, to chew on, but so much unknown that it's almost it's almost uh, like I said. I feel bad in a way to to the to the people that uh, pay us money to, to to be out there and do that because we want you to be there. We want you to be a part of the community, and we want to give you the best information that we can. But um, the, the spigots run dry a little bit, and it, it's for everybody. I mean, everybody, you know, the, the Times, the TNT, um, you know, guys at, at the, you know, thankfully KJR is the flagship station now. So now you've got Softy on the case, so that's going to be a huge help, I think, for everybody in terms of the fans trying to get the information out. But I think, again, after this first game out, boy, what if you're Hugh Millen? I, you know, we've, we haven't really talked about Hugh not being a part of the Honks, but – Think about the field day he is going to have Sunday morning going over that offensive tape. I would love to be a fly on the wall watching Hugh break that down, and hopefully he's going to have a huge breakdown for that on KGR uh, afterwards. But I think it's just there's so much intrigue but so much unknown, and I guess that makes it even more exciting. Game week is almost upon us. We'll start our typical game week coverage starting on Monday and uh We'll go all week. You know, we've got seven games coming up, so looking forward to the season starting. And then in addition, basketball's just around the corner as well. So I believe the first game is November 25th. I'll have to take a look at that again. But uh, basketball's coming up again. I had a chance to stop by Heck Ed. We got 30 minutes of open practice, which consisted of 15 minutes of hops, teaching guys how to do drills, and 15 <laughs> minutes of basic drills. But uh, we had a chance to see some of the guys, Eric Stevenson, Cole Bajima, Nate Roberts look good. Quad A Green seems to have really taken another step up. And uh, when I talk about step up, I think he has matured and he learned a lot from last year. So um, looking forward to basketball season starting. It's going to definitely be a different year. So um, just excited to get finally to game week as well as having a game on Saturday down at Cal. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, Go Dogs. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.